Welcome to Mrs. Flick's Picks, where busy moms can find the best books for their kids. Join me in my mission to cultivate children's moral imagination through good stories, beautifully written. Well, hello and welcome back to Mrs. Flick's Picks. I'm Carrie Flick and I am so glad to have you with me today. Well, as promised, I'm here today to explore the idea of biblical masculinity. That might at first glance appear to be an odd endeavor for a children's book podcast. But as I've said before, we're not raising little boys and girls. We're raising future men and women of God. As parents, we can't wait until our kids are 16, 17, 18 years old before we give them pictures of the kinds of people they should be at 20. I think that previous generations in history have understood this much better. In the medieval feudal system of Europe, a little boy was allowed to remain with his mother until the age of six. At that time, he separated from his mother and spent his days working as a page in the nobleman's household, but still primarily serving the ladies of the house. When he reached the age of about 12, he was promoted to the position of squire and began his training in weaponry, chivalry, and warfare. If he performed well and proved himself honorable and worthy, he was knighted and given a title. The end goal for that little six-year-old page was to one day win his spurs and become a knight. This is the mindset we need for our own six, eight, and ten-year-old sons. Unfortunately, the culture around us seems to be bent on painting men as either incompetent goofballs or as crude, heartless action figures whose only talents are lethal combat. We hear a lot of noise against toxic masculinity, but few people are promoting biblical masculinity. Remember, all sin is just a twisted copy of a particular virtue. True masculinity is never toxic. True masculinity is strength and sacrifice, courage and humility, love and service. Look at Jesus himself, the author of manhood. He is gentle like a lamb and fierce as a lion. He humbled himself and obeyed his father to the point of death, but when he returns, he will be wielding a sword and judging the nations. He treated women with compassion and respect, but he certainly didn't refrain from rebuking them in their sin. In all of literature, the archetype of the knight in shining armor best reflects the character of our Lord, and these stories should spurn our young men on in their own feats of strength chivalrous devotion, and stalwart courage in the face of evil. My first pick today is a picture book titled The Kitchen Night by Margaret Hodges and illustrated by Trina Shart Hyman. This is the story of King Arthur's nephew, Gareth, and his efforts to truly win the knightly title when he comes to King Arthur's court, he does not reveal his identity to his uncle, but rather concedes to work for a year as a humble kitchen servant. This gives him a chance to watch and study the great knights of the round table. At the end of his year, he begs permission to help a certain lady, Lady Lynette, whose sister is a damsel in distress, 
held hostage in her castle by a wicked knight. But even though Gareth is officially knighted and wins for himself a horse and armor, the fine Lady Lynette is furious that a former kitchen boy should be her sister's champion. She treats him with only rude contempt and disdain, to which he responds with nothing but courtesy and patience. She abuses him endlessly, but is finally brought to repentance by his own graciousness and dogged determination to accomplish his mission. I love this particular story from the Arthurian legends because of Gareth's long-suffering respect for Lady, despite her awful treatment of him. Your young men, however, will likely love it for its various battle scenes and heroic conquest, which is equally delicious. All right, I may be cheating a little with this next pick, which is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. This is the sequel to Prince Caspian in the Narnia series, so if you haven't read Prince Caspian, you do need to read that first. But if you haven't read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you'll actually need to start there. So I'm sorry. I know I might be sneaking in a three-for-one deal, but trust me, it's worth it. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is the account of King Caspian's adventures in his quest to discover the fate of seven lords who disappeared from his father's court many years ago. He sails east with a crew consisting of the two Pevensey children from the former books, as well as their sniveling, snobbish cousin, Eustace. Throughout his quest, Caspian must face tyrants and traitors, sea monsters and dragons, invisible enemies, and potentially malevolent magicians. But perhaps his greatest battle culminates in the one with himself and his own pride. Caspian is generally humble and good, but there is one temptation he faces that nearly causes his fall and possibly the ruin of Narnia. This is a very theologically rich book in the series as well. There's plenty of thought behind the adventures. Get yourself the best edition of the series you can. They are timeless and wonderful. Now, I like to save the Narnia series for kids at least eight years old and up, but there are plenty of people who disagree with me and start younger. Readers of all ages are sure to fall in love with Lewis's world. Okay, finally, I recommend to you Men of Iron by Howard Pyle. This story is that of young Miles Falworth, the son of a lord, but one who has recently been outlawed by King Henry IV and remains in hiding at a local abbey. Miles is unaware of the reasons or history of his father's ruin and is shipped off at the age of 15 to begin training as a squire in an earl's army. Miles is quickly discovered to be a natural leader, but one who often finds himself in trouble for being so outspoken about his convictions and ideas about honor. When it is revealed to him that he is his only hope of saving his father's reputation and even life, Miles determines to do all within his power to become a knight worthy of battling his family's long-time and deadly enemy. The novel culminates in a breathtaking showdown between Miles and the man who will kill him if Miles is not the victor. As one of his friends tells him, Miles must be either a great man or none at all. Miles isn't an arrogant teenager, but he is constantly told, justly so, that he is a fool. He isn't a fool in the sense of lacking intelligence, 
but he speaks every thought that pops into his head. He is so determined that he knows best in his own mind that he has a hard time taking advice from those more wise than he, and his temper is one of his greatest failings. He's also incredibly stubborn, but his heart is good, and he strives to do always what is right and just and courageous. As he grows and matures, and as he sees more of the world and the evil that thrives in it, he's much slower to speak, much more quick to listen, and much more aware of the honor and responsibility he carries for those weaker than himself. He does truly win his spurs and his incredible accomplishments of battle, but his character is knightly long before the title is awarded to him. I think boys should be at least age 10 to really enjoy and appreciate this novel, but it should be equally thrilling for your teens and young adults. I think a basic working knowledge of the feudal system in Europe would be helpful. Um, the, the structure of how knights were supplied to lords and then supplied to, to kings to go fight their battles, that would be helpful for this book, but it's not necessary. And I would also say I, I don't recommend this one as a read aloud. The dialogue, not the actual narrative, but the dialogue is written in a lot of early modern English, and that can be really tricky to read aloud. I think it's just going to be easier for someone reading the book to themselves. Okay, that's all I've got for you this week. I thank you for being here, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, happy reading. <laughs>